With everything going on in the world, it's looking more and more likely that wearing a mask in public may become a normal part of everyday life, at least for a time. That said, what about a business dedicated to contemporary or even fashion-friendly facewear? Today we'll discuss the idea of creating a mask boutique and how you could do one successfully. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. Okay, so there's a lot going on in the world, and it sounds as though it's not too far-fetched to think that in the not-too-distant future, or even at the present time, depending upon where you are, it's going to be a good idea to have some masks on hand. And so what that led me to do is start to consider if I were to, or if somebody else I knew, were looking for a new business venture to dive into one that wouldn't be too far off the mark with the way things are going would be a mask boutique or a place that actually sells masks online this wouldn't be a boutique in which you would open up a physical location i think at this present time particularly in the current economic uh, climate that probably wouldn't be the wisest route to take for starting up some uh, method for selling masks an online shop would make a whole lot more sense Part of what got me thinking about this was not only everything that's going on currently, but some of the things that I've started to see in a number of other companies out there. So there's a, a number of companies that I've seen that have recently taken to, taking to manufacturing and selling their own masks. Some of this has to do with the fact that uh, the demand for some of their other products have gone down and they've got a bunch of machinery and fabric that they can use in order to be able to put these masks together. Or uh, in addition to that, perhaps it's the desire to want to help even some healthcare workers out there. And so, like I said, they've kind of put some of their resources to work in order to be able to do this. So what was kind of interesting is I was looking around myself recently. I was trying to find some masks that I could get so that I could have them on hand. I bought some of your basic uh, surgical masks, which you can find online in a number of different places. However, another thing that uh, a lot of people are starting to use as well are a number of fabric masks. And one of the nice thing about fabric masks, of course, is that you can reuse them. You don't have to necessarily keep replenishing them over time. Now, before I go any further, of course, I am not a medical expert. I do not know uh, which masks are going to work better in different situations and for different uses in terms of filtering out toxins or the virus. So obviously, you would want to consult a medical professional in terms of knowing what's going to work best for each use case. However, one of the things that I did see that a company uh, was doing, they're located out in Maine, but they create a whole bunch of what looked like tactical gear, uh, a lot of kind of outdoor weatherproof gear and stuff like that. So, uh, but I had seen that they, they very recently as a result of the pandemic decided to start producing masks and I saw that they sold out pretty quickly. So I did actually have the opportunity to jump in there and I ordered a couple of them before they were all sold out. They're now sold out completely, but I think they're in the process of creating more. 
but that kind of got me thinking. Uh, so these particular masks that I got were actually made out of denim, which uh, not the most comfortable thing in the world, I will say. However, very sturdy and durable. So for what it is, I'm glad to have it. I will definitely be using them. But it got me thinking, what if someone came along right now, perhaps their current business is closed due to a number of the restrictions that have been set in place? Or what if they're just looking for a new opportunity, a way to serve people? Because I think without getting too far into the weeds with this, I think one of the problems that a lot of people have or view towards business owners is that they're just in it to make a profit. And I think what a lot of people miss particularly those who are trying to get into business, uh, one of the biggest hurdles that they face is actually breaking into a market. And many times it can be because they come at it with that viewpoint, with that standpoint that I'm just here to make a buck. If that's your goal at the end of the day, it's highly unlikely that you will succeed. It is more than likely that you will fail. And it is because at the end of the day, if you're not dedicated to serving a particular clientele, a particular group of people, then you're not going to make it very far. And so I don't really, I've never really liked the idea of people kind of thinking that business's main and primary goal is to turn a profit. While that has to happen in order for it to continue, the main purpose of a business is to serve a particular group of people in a particular way. And the better that you do that, the more continually you'll be able to continue that business. So uh, before I go any further with some of the things that we'll be talking on about uh, talking about on this show, one of the things I did want to mention, because we will be talking about a mask boutique, I hate to do it, it has to be done. Again, these are ideas. And so I welcome anyone and everyone to who would want to, to jump in there, steal this idea and do it. I would probably be one of your first customers because uh, I've been looking for masks that work well and are comfortable. However... I am not a medical professional. This is not medical advice. So again, if you were to actually take some of these ideas, put them into practice, you would want to make sure that you go through the proper legal and medical channels in order to do so. But before we get on to the uh, going through some of the elements we're going to be talking about, about opening up a mask boutique, I wanted to tell you about a free tool that I recently discovered called Honey. So if you do any online shopping, which I'm imagining that you probably do, and if you were to uh, have customers who would eventually uh, work with you for your mask boutique, for example, the great thing is that a lot of companies out there offer a wide variety of coupon codes, right? So there is some for pretty much any online shop you could possibly think of. Uh, from you know Amazon to Barnes and Noble to all these different places that sell things online. And in particular, since most of us are spending a lot more time at home and we're doing more shopping online, having some of those coupon codes handy to us uh, can make life a little bit easier, particularly if you can save a little bit in the process. So what Honey does is it actually has this pretty amazing database full of coupon codes for almost every website it seems like in existence or a lot of them out there. And so what you can do is you simply install the browser extension for Safari or Chrome or Firefox or the browser of your choosing and as you are going through the shopping process it will help detect if a coupon code exists and then automatically apply it. So essentially it's just helping you save on the websites that you love without having to pay anything extra in the process. So Honey is 
totally free if you'd like to try it out. Again, there is no charge, no membership. Essentially, it's just free coupon codes for your browser. So if you'd like to give Honey a try, once again, it is 100% free. You can head on over to rightly.show slash honey. Again, it is rightly.show slash honey. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so as I was going through and I was kind of thinking this through, kind of writing up the show notes today for today's episode, uh, one of the things I was trying to determine, and I don't always do this, but I was trying to determine what would be a good name for this particular company, right? What would I like to name this? And so as I was kind of kicking around some ideas, I came up with two different directions, two different names for two different ways of tackling this brand. The first would be a little bit more generic, but a little bit more, I would say, kind of lighthearted in the way that it would approach the brand itself. So it'd be more colorful, maybe more geared towards families and that sort of thing. And that would be Mighty Masks. So the domain for this, because I always look there first, that's pretty much, since it's going to be an online shop, that's pretty important. MightyMasks.com. At the time I am uh, going through this episode, uh, has expired, but it's not available. So you could always do something like mightymasks.co. Not always the best thing, um, but it definitely works. So there's a lot of different options out there. So that would be option one. Mighty Masks would be, again, something that is a little bit more geared, I would say, towards families. And then the second name, which is probably the one I'm going to stick with throughout the course of this particular episode, is one called Bridgeware. I like this one because it just sounded a little bit more formal. It sounded a little bit more higher end, which as you well know, is something that I like to pursue in any brand that I'm building. I want to go for a higher end, quote unquote, luxury brand or something that is similar or it kind of lends itself that direction. So you might be wondering, what is, why would you call it bridgeware? So the whole idea behind bridgeware, essentially mask, the word mask is actually just kind of a... While Mighty Masks, again, it kind of works for more like a family-friendly, kind of a family-oriented brand, the word mask, again, is kind of a, it's not a very elegant-sounding word, and so the way, the more you can get away from using it, I think the better, because I think, again, if somebody's looking at hearing the word mask, it's got a lot of extra baggage attached to it that I wouldn't necessarily want when I'm starting this brand. So, Bridgeware, essentially, would be Uh, things that you wear that would come up to the bridge of your nose, right? So the nose bridge we all know is is essentially kind of where the mask would start or end depending on how you're looking at it. But it's a nice, easy to say, easy to remember uh, name. So again, it would be bridge wear and it would be, it'd be very easy to say, easy to remember and really easy to incorporate into some sort of brand identity, which again, if you listen to a lot of the things I've said in the past, I'm a big proponent of creating a name that is memorable. And I think that the name oftentimes, while I did want to come up with some here today, can be a little bit overrated. I don't think that the name is as important as what the name represents. However, if you can have one that's memorable and easy to say, that helps, particularly one that's as short as possible, uh, one that is uh, going to work well within visual brand identity. I would probably do some sort of brand mark to go alongside this. So uh, an actual mark. So again, that would 
be something like, you know, the Nike swoosh that is a mark. We would want something along the, the lines of that as well, even if it's, as, if it's as something as simple as some sort of an arrangement with the letters B and W, that would totally work as well. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be nice and simple. So by the way, if you are wanting to 100% take today's idea, because again, I always go and I look at these domains to see if they're available. Good news, bridgeware.com is available for the low, low price of $3,445. So if you have an extra $3,500 laying around that you don't know what to do with, you could buy and start bridgeware.com. I'm not necessarily in the market for starting uh, bridgeware.com myself, but if you are so inclined or you just want that domain, uh, last time I checked, a little over, a little north of $3,000. Okay, so let's kind of move on to the, the core of the business itself, and we have to first tackle the other point that I had brought up, which is that I, I'm not really a big fan of the word masks. I just think that... When you say the word mask, a lot of people are either going to think about somebody who's currently in surgery or they're going to think about somebody who is robbing a bank. So for all intents and purposes, the word culturally just has a lot of things that can be brought to mind that may not necessarily work well with the type of product you're trying to produce. So there may be words out there I just don't know exist. But off the top of my head, what I thought would be nice to call it is just facial wear. Uh, something that is on your face, and while it does have quote-unquote medical purposes, it is also supposed to be, and that's what's going to be so important as we start building this brand, it also has a fashion background built in as well, meaning it is supposed to be kind of a part of what you wear. It's similar to picking out a pair of jeans or a dress or a suit that's going to be the type of experience we're trying to cultivate here through bridgeware, right? Or what we're going to be calling facialware. You could also just call it all bridgeware. I just think that that's a little bit more ambiguous than saying facialware. Most people are going to say, okay, that's yeah, something I wear on my face, right? So I wouldn't name the business facialware because I think that that doesn't quite come across as clean or as hoity-toity. So I would probably stick with bridgeware for the name, facialware for the actual product itself. Okay, so moving on beyond what we're actually going to call these, what we would want to do, and this is going to be really important as we're kind of building our products and as we are building the brand itself, is that we're going to want a very wide assortment of patterns and trends and designs. We're going to want each of these masks to be highly unique in and of themselves. And we want to give them fancy names like the Colton or the, um, you know, the Manhattan or whatever it's going to be. Every single one of these should have special names that kind of go alongside them, something that's going to be really memorable and that's going to uh, fit a particular style that a person is going for. Another thing that I'd like to do alongside that, and this is just kind of, again, off the top of my head, is I would like, as we develop more masks for this particular uh, boutique or online shop, is that I would like to have a questionnaire, and this is gonna get into something, uh, to the list building a little bit later on, but I'm kind of uh, jumping the gun a little bit. What I, would, what I would want is your personal digital tailor. And I don't mean a tailor that's just going to be taking your measurements and uh, helping you pick fabric. 
Instead, what I mean is somebody who's going to be kind of like your shopping assistant, and they're going to ask you a series of questions about what's your style. Do you like casual? Do you like uh, more contemporary? Do you like something that's more formal? What are your colors? What are the fabrics? That sort of thing. So that you can get a good feel for the person's style so that you can come across, so you can create or lend them to a mask or to facial wear that is going to help accompany their style. Um, I could see this something that would probably be used a little bit more for guys who maybe don't necessarily as much as a lot of women out there kind of focus on trends and a lot more uh, patterns and style what's in season and, and what's not in season whereas guys are pretty much just like what kind of works right so that's speaking broadly and everybody's different but that would be a great opportunity to be able to ask for somebody's email address uh, and then take them through a series of steps that would help guide them to a style of mask that they would then want to buy or again facial wear i'll be using both interchangeably but you know what i mean Okay, so uh, the next thing that we would also want to incorporate with these different masks, uh, besides just patterns, trends, and designs, uh, is we want some specialty ones as well. I would want a mask that helps in cor- that works well with somebody who has a beard, right? And uh, you know, how big of a beard? Is it a really thin, uh, very kept beard, or is it a bigger, bushier beard? Another thing that would be really important as well is perhaps the top part that goes near the nose bridge. And again, this is just audio, so I can only try to describe it to you, but maybe you've got ones that work better with glasses. I know one of the biggest challenges I have as I am putting on this mask that I bought recently is one, it causes, uh, it's very easy for your glasses to fog up. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, some potential solutions to that problem. But the other problem is that it's very hard to rest the glasses on your nose bridge since about in that exact same location is where the mask actually starts. So some sort of ingenuity working in a way that there are particular types of mask shapes perhaps or materials that would lend themselves toward people who wear glasses. The other thing I would do is I'd probably create a nice, uh, I'd create some different sections. So I'd have some that were uh, kind of your men's section, your women's section, and children's section. And then, of course, you know, sizes that kind of, sizes and styles that kind of fit within that realm. Then beyond there, we'd start getting into, and so again, with with that, you're thinking more, we're, we're talking about clothing because that's essentially what we're making. While it is important that we want to make sure that these masks obviously follow the suit uh, as much as is humanly possible to being medically uh, valuable, at the same time, from the branding perspective, we're going to want to approach this like like a clothing line because essentially that's what it is. Um, and so beyond that, uh, the material is going to be extraordinarily important with what we're creating here, right? So. Uh, I don't think as much fabric that you would buy at any old place that you would just cut apart. So instead, think more bed sheets, right? There's a ton of bed sheets out there that you can buy. And you can spend $100, a couple hundred dollars on your bed sheets specifically because of the material that you're using. So I would want to create a collection of masks and they wouldn't all be the same, but some of them would be like 100% Egyptian cotton. Others would be made out of silk. 
I would do others that are made out of things like denim for a more rugged or like outdoor use for whatever reason. I don't know that your face is really going to be in contact with other things. Uh, but you know what I mean from a from a practical, from a brand building perspective, there are things that people would find more useful in their facial wear than other people would. So again, comfort, if that's very important, perhaps you're going to want the Egyptian cotton durability. Perhaps you're going to want the uh, the, uh, the thicker, canvasier, more durable nature of something like denim. Uh, so a lot of different materials would be available as well to choose from. That would be really important. Then, of course, you'd have the added benefits, and this kind of comes without saying, but things like the fact that they'd be washable, reusable, uh, and things like that. Another thing that I would also work into as many of these as possible, and some styles and masks and fabrics are going to work, are going to lend themselves better to this, but I would definitely uh, want to include a slot for a filter and then even produce or work with a third-party manufacturer to help produce filters that you could then insert. So there's some masks out there that I saw that actually have a little pocket or a space where you can slide in a filter. So if I were to start Bridgeware, I would create or work with a third-party manufacturer and say, you know what, I want a specifically, um, I want a specifically designed filter that is tailored to our masks specifically. You can use a generic one if you want, but I want a special type of slot and filter that works with our masks. But also uh, create as well, I think it would be good to have like seasonal collections. And I think this is probably something that's going to be more geared towards women, but maybe not. There may be a case in which men would want this as well, but it would be colors and styles. That would be for your fall collection, your winter collection, your summer collection. I'd have one for each season, things that are only available during that time. I would do that not only for the more fashion focused people, but also it's a good idea whenever you can, purely from a business perspective, to make certain things that you sell only available at different, at specific times. So if you didn't want to do seasonal, perhaps you could create something that was specific to an event that was taking place and you only are going to do a run of 500 or 1,000 of these, making it limited is a great way to ensure people take action on purchasing it. Because again, scarcity is one of those things that can be really helpful and useful when it comes to helping to uh, get your product products out there on the market. One of the other things we want to tackle as well, which would be good to go alongside the masks that we would be selling or facial wear, is the accessories. I think this is going to be important too because there's a number of number of things that you could do that would kind of accompany this. Now, in maybe the winter months, you could have some your own collection perhaps of scarves. This isn't necessarily a bad idea. Sure, we're kind of getting away a little bit uh, from the uh, from the facial wear. However, you could technically create a mask scarf combo. I'm sure such a thing exists so that you could actually have something that you wrap around your face, serves as that facial wear, and then also is long enough to go around your neck. If that doesn't already exist, it should because I think that would be amazing, particularly in the really cold months of winter uh, when it gets pretty cold out there. 
So things like that would work really well, but then also accessories to help the facial wear work better. So uh, I've seen these before. I don't know if this is an official term or not, but something like ear savers. Uh, so they're adjustable uh, plastic pieces, essentially, that go, uh, you, you stick them on the back of your head and they've got a whole bunch of notches in them. I think you can even buy something similar on Amazon. But essentially what you do is you hook the mask onto the, you know, the little pieces of elastic and these are mainly used with medical masks but i think you could still use them with other masks as well but you hook the piece of elastic back behind your head onto this piece of plastic and the whole idea is that it holds the piece of elastic up so that it doesn't rest upon your head this would also be great for people with glasses uh and it just kind of makes it a little bit more comfortable in general so that would be one accessory that you could offer in addition to that uh, and again, I don't know if this is exist. This exists, so I'm, I may just be inventing something here, or it could be out there and I've just n- never seen it. Something that I would call like a glasses helper or something along those lines, something essentially that would be a clip for your nose that would go on the outside of the, uh, of the mask itself. So like I said, I just recently bought a mask and I've seen a ton of people online running into this exact same issue which is that no matter how great your mask is, it's really difficult to keep it from fogging up your glasses, right? And that's the first thing that happened. Is I took my very, I put on the mask, put on the glasses. The very first thing that happened is that my glasses immediately fogged over. So I've seen a couple of things that people have attempted to help remedy this. Number one is that people have taken like tissue and they've kind of rolled it up and they've used it as kind of something of a seal for the top of their mask, getting it to stay there isn't always the easiest thing in the world. And then I can't necessarily verify this myself. I haven't tried it. I've heard that using uh, rinsing your glasses with soapy water can actually help prevent them from fogging over. Again, I can't verify that. I haven't tried it myself. So there are some things that you can do there. But I have thought that it would be really nice just to have some sort of soft plastic adjustable clip that you can clip on the outside of the mask to hold it as close to your face as possible to prevent air from traveling up as you are breathing out. Don't know if it exists. It may be possible that you just need some sort of seal. I don't know, but it would be nice, particularly really what I'm creating here in addition to uh, talking through uh, a business and how I would run it is really just a wish list as somebody who has glasses and maybe you can relate. That's something that I would try to tackle as I was going through uh, and trying to create this type of business and this brand. Because really, at the end of the day, the whole purpose of a business is to meet a need or solve a problem. So if you can solve a problem and do it well, you're off to a good start with your business. The other thing that I already touched on uh, previously is that one of the accessories would be insertable, replaceable, and discardable filters. Filters that are kind of one-time use you stick them in the nice little pouch that's on the inside of your mask and then after the day or after the one-time use or however often they should be replaced they would then be tossed uh, for new ones and then of course I would want these filters to have the brand mark kind of stamped on them so that they're the official bridgeware filters and of course we would work with the manufacturer that would talk that would work in the absolute best filtering process possible 
Uh, kind of think of it similar to Harry's or Dollar Shave Club, how they have the German-engineered blades built into their razors. Similar idea. We would want something that's replaceable. And then also similar to something like a Harry's, you would also want a subscription option so that somebody could purchase maybe a three or a five or a, I don't know, a 20 pack of filters and then have them sent, uh, delivered to their door on a monthly basis. Some of the other things that I would probably work in as well are some more specialty uh, products, things that are themed. So perhaps ones that would uh, help serve uh, medical personnel or military or law enforcement. So let's say that you decided to buy one of these. Maybe they would have uh, some sort of medical design on the outside or again, uh, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, something like that. And then have like a pro, uh, percentage of the, the proceeds or even the whole proceeds go to, uh, you know, a particular medical organization or military organization, some sort of donation that you would make that would work well. Another one, another thing that I would uh, do as well, and this is going to be, you'll kind of know if you're familiar with the company Warby Parker, which creates glasses, you'll notice some of the, uh, a little bit of overlap here. And that's because Warby Parker does a very good job of how they sell their eyeglasses. And so this uh, particular mask boutique or facial wear uh, boutique would have a lot of similarities. And one of those would be the idea to get one and give one. So there would be particular lines of of facial wear that people could buy and then donate to uh, a community. So maybe it's the local community. If there's somebody in need who can't afford one, they would be donating one on your behalf. Perhaps if there's other areas in the world that just don't have access to masks or at all, uh, every time you purchase one, perhaps one would be uh, donated as well to those particular areas of the world. Another thing that could be done as well, and this is just kind of goes along with the previous piece, uh, particularly with medical personnel, while you really couldn't, and it would depend on how these masks were created, I don't, again, I don't know, I'm not a medical professional. So if for whatever reason, the masks you were creating were not up to the level that would, that could be used by an actual medical worker, um, and in that case, you couldn't actually donate one of the masks to them. Perhaps every purchased uh, of the medical mask um, that you purchase, perhaps uh, a donation could go to medical workers or even a purchase of PPE or N95 masks that then would be sent to them. Uh, or even better better yet, if you could actually produce your own line of uh, N95 masks that you sell and or produce to medical workers. That would be great as well. But some sort of way for a purchase, particular purchases of different products to actually go to help different causes, whatever those causes may may be. Another thing that's going to be pretty important to include, uh, and I, I see a lot of online shops that hedge on this, and I don't think it's a good idea because it takes away a lot of customer confidence, but that is a 30-day money-back guarantee. I would definitely want a, uh, a refund policy with this. I would want it so that people do not feel pressured or they would not feel, uh, particularly if you're doing some sort of promotion or some sort of limited time. Th- I, while we do want to work in some sort of 
scarcity into what we're working with what we are producing at the end of the day what's more important than anything is that that customer is happy so at a bare minimum we want to give them a 30-day money-back guarantee so that they can at any point in time send us an email fill out our contact form and say that okay this for whatever reason this isn't working or i decided i don't need it you know what i i tried it on it's not very comfortable i mean again it's kind of like you know it's buying buying clothing or didn't fit right i want people to be able to return those at no risk to them. Okay, so then this is probably the number one question I would ask and many of us would ask when it comes to the type of facial wear that we are producing, right? And that is, how much would one of these things cost? And I think the answer to this question is going to make the biggest difference in terms of the type of brand you are trying to build. So here's the deal. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of places, I'm sure an increasing number of companies coming out that are going to be creating masks, some of which may be even similar to what we're talking about here. I've yet to see anybody kind of going quite as far as using 100% Egyptian cotton. Maybe somebody is, I don't know, let me know. Um, but these, these masks or facial wear what I would do is I would probably price them on the lower end at $20. And no, I would not price these at $19. They would not be $19.95. They would be $20 even. And then at the higher end, it'd probably go up to $50. You could even go up to $60, maybe even at the highest end, $70. You might be thinking, okay, so that sounds a little bit outrageous. <laughs> but again, if we're going to use something like Warby Parker or a clothing line or something like that, remember, we're not buying fabric right? We're not even necessarily buying facial protection, although that's what it is. What we're buying is a statement, right? We're buying something that we're, we're making a statement by what we're wearing. And that's why it's going to make, it's going to be so incredibly important that these styles are unique, that the type of fabric that we're using is of the finest quality, that if it has to be, perhaps they're hand-stitched, I don't know. Whatever is going to make them extremely well-made, that, of course, goes without saying. But at the end of the day, when you go to the store and you purchase a brand-name pair of jeans, you aren't spending 30 40 50% more because the fabric is better, even though it may be. What you're actually purchasing is that label because that label comes synonymous with a particular expectation. So that's the exact same thing that would be incorporated in Bridgeware. Yes, it would have the finest quality materials, but it's the designs, it's the name that you are actually going to be purchasing. And that's as a business. And what's interesting is some people will come along and they'll say, well, isn't that just greedy? You're just trying to make more. Well, no, because you have to understand that it's by charging that higher end you're actually going to be able to do things like give away one for free for everyone that's purchased or make a donation every time one is purchased, right? So, and somebody would say, well, uh, you know, I can't afford that. Well, that's why you would you would create something uh, alongside this to where you could give them away for free to people who are a little bit less fortunate and just need some facial protection. And again, that would be funded by those who are willing to pay more for a higher quality product because then again at the end of the day whether one's being given away to somebody who couldn't afford it or being purchased by someone who could everybody rests easy knowing that they're receiving a higher quality product than they would be if they just kind of went to a company that just kind of started churning them out 
uh, when it's not really their primary focus of business. Then in addition to the pricing, and again, that's kind of fluid, I threw out some numbers, but again, at a bare minimum, these would want to be higher priced because again, we're not buying, we are not, uh, our customers are not purchasing fabrics sewn together, they are buying a brand and these are going to be a brand that uh, is specific and targeted in the realm of facial wear, right? And so alongside that, what we would also never do even though I did just talk earlier about discounts. This particular boutique, this online shop, would never do discounts. So again, I don't have a problem with anybody else who does. Like I said, go up to rightly.show slash honey and create your free account where you can get all the discounts you could ever need. But for this one in particular, there wouldn't be discounts. And that's because we would offer, I would never want to lessen the price of this product. You'll start to see a trend if you've listened to some of the other programs that I've done in particular. I don't ever want to uh, dilute the value of the thing that they are purchasing. Because again, if you're looking for a deal, you can go somewhere else. If you're looking for something that's cheap and quick, you can go somewhere else. But if you want the high quality product that we offer under this particular brand, there are no discounts because again, it's not about the price. It's about the statement. Okay. So on that note, uh, with the pricing and kind of the style and some of the processes out of the way, it's really important then that we turn and we focus on the online shop, right? And this has to be an amazing and simple online shopping experience, which means it has to be unlike about 98% of the online shops out there. And it is true. If you try to visit a non-Amazon online shop, it can be very difficult. And I would argue the only reason that Amazon is even easy to use is largely due in part to the fact that you're already logged in, they already have all of your information, and you probably have a Prime account, right? Well, other online shops don't typically have that advantage. And so it is even more important that it's easy to use. I can't really, it's tough to go through and describe all of the things uh, that uh, would make it great. But in essence, if I were to boil it down to a rule of thumb, the fewer the clicks, the better. Uh, So a really simple, easy to navigate shopping experience. So some of the ways that we would actually do that is first of all, you would wanna make sure that it's easy to add multiple items to the cart prior to checkout, right? So I wanna make sure that I don't have to add a product uh, and then like, you know, it takes you to a page. This item has been added to your cart. Would you like to continue shopping? Click, and then you gotta go back. You've all, we've all been to those type of shops before. No, one click instantly gets added to the cart. You keep scrolling, you keep looking around. We want the process to be really seamless. The other thing that I would do, and this could be mainly because it's what I've worked with most, but I would definitely have this shop built on WooCommerce. Again, I would probably work with a custom web developer, perhaps like yours truly, but you would want some sort of web developer to build this from scratch. This thing has to look and work fantastic. You do not want to just go and buy a Shopify account, although Shopify is great. You're going to need something that's tailored more specifically to this way of doing business. One of the other things that I would do as well, and this is gonna be possible through WooCommerce, is to show the stock quantity when uh, the amount on hand drops below 25. 
this is going to be really important because there's going to be particular styles and patterns and materials that you're going to sell that are just going to be more popular than others. Popularity breeds popularity. So one of the ways you can actually help encourage that is when there are less than 25 of an item on in stock, showing that to people, that's going to encourage people to purchase more of them. I would never manipulate this number. I would never lie about this number. I don't know if other people do that out there. Obviously, uh, for this for this brand to work, it has to be reputable. And one of the best ways to remain reputable is to be honest. So we would want that to be honestly calculated. But again, it would be it's very possible, and you can do it automatically through something like WooCommerce. Beyond that, what I would also want to do is let's say that somebody does buy out a particular uh, style or size of a facial wear item or mask you would want to replace that buy now button with a nice little form that allows people to enter in their email address and then receive an update uh, a notification as soon as that would come back in stock so from there the thing that is going to be super important and no website would be complete without the goal of alongside everything else also building an email list so one of the things that i mentioned earlier on in this show is the idea of creating some sort of style or buying assistant that would take someone through the process of finding the style of mask that's going to fit them best. So that'd be one way to ask for their email address to take them through that process. So that's one. Second, what I'd probably create is some sort of mask chart. And it'd be a chart that demonstrates, talks about all the different types of masks that exist. You would definitely 100% want to partner with some sort of medical organization in order to do this. But it'd be a simple chart that people can get uh, download and have emailed to them that would show all the different types of masks, the kinds that you sell, and then which are going to help, you know, filter out particular toxins and that sort of thing. One of the other things that I would do beyond uh, that effort to build an email list is I would also, pointing back to the site and to the place where people could sign up for these free resources, I would do two types of content alongside the the actual business itself, along the actual product pages. And again, I've talked about this in the past, but it's super important because uh, the number one question most people get is, okay, so how do I actually get people to learn more about my company? And most people buy ads and then they spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars getting people to uh, learn more about them when what they don't realize is that, well, yeah, you might get that tr- initial traffic, but you don't maintain it. Right. And so that's why it's so important to build an audience. And the best way to build an audience for free, or at least much more affordably, is through creating useful, relevant content for the people that you want to serve. So there's two things I would do here. One, I would create a YouTube channel. And then two, I would create uh, with similar content uh, a blog with articles. So different articles on various different topics. So what I would do for the videos. I would also take the videos after I produced them on YouTube. I would then, of course, share them on social media. But then I would also embed them in the articles. So again, the articles would be kind of a redundancy in terms of some of the YouTube content, but they would be longer form. Things in the articles would be for those who would be searching for a particular subject. And what those would be would be two things. One, and this is funny, this is going to sound really counterintuitive, but one thing I would do is once a week I would have a member of my team do a DIY um, process on how to make a mask at home. 
So I would do something like I would take an old bed sheet. I would show how to cut it up uh, and then take maybe some a shoelace. I'm totally making this up off the top of my head. Somebody else would be able to do this much better. But you take like a really fancy old bed sheet. You wash it. You layer it like three or four times, fold it over, cut it here. You know, take some uh, uh, new shoelaces or, you know, some rubber bands and then you create your own mask at home. You might be saying, well, that seems kind of counterintuitive because aren't you just putting yourself out of business? And the answer is no, because again, the type of brand we're creating here is created so that people are buying what we sell, not because just for the sole reason that they need a mask, though, though they may, but because they want a particular type of mask that makes a statement, right? So the value here, even if this person goes and makes this mask and solves their problem, is that in the future when they decide maybe they want a style that matches a particular outfit they have, they're going to come to Bridgewear to buy that fancy $45 facial wear, right? So that's the whole idea. You're spreading awareness about what you do to people who are looking actively for something that you make. And then another thing that I would do as well, I'd kind of mix these in there, is I would do behind the scenes of uh, different facial wear or masks that are being created I'd go to the places where they're, uh, where the um, the actual fabric or material is being produced. A lot of behind the scenes stuff. So I kind of jump back and forth between the how tos and the behind the scenes. One of the last things I wanted to mention here as well, something that I would do is after is the process after somebody actually becomes a paying customer. Again, you know, I'm not a big proponent of sending emails on like a monthly or regular basis at all with promotions. So I would never send out an email that says, hey, it's our Labor Day sale. Come and get 50% off all of our facial wear. No, this is not, this is not like a, we're not selling mattresses and I don't have any problems with selling mattresses, but the way that they're sold is that they're almost always on sale. It's kind of the trap to doing a sale. And Putting sale in your email is a great way to get it marked as spam. So we don't want that. Instead, what I would probably do is send one, maybe two emails after a purchase that would have a headline that's something like this. Wouldn't your friend look great in this? And then you would show a similar style, not the same, a similar style that that person purchased of mask. And then you would show it on, you know, one of your models, one of the people would be wearing it. And then a big button so that they could simply in like one or two easy clicks go through and then purchase and have that mask sent to their friend. The whole idea is that it's something that obviously they can gift someone else right away. It doesn't take a special occasion. And it starts a a process that slowly through purchases starts to get the word spread about your product. Because again, if you make a purchase of Bridgeware, you like it, you get the email, Uh, And again, the email should come after they receive the product. So however long that's going to take, so maybe two weeks, you don't want it before because at that point they're going to be hesitant. And I don't know if I want to refer this to my friend yet because I haven't tried it. But if they like it, you could just remind them, hey, I know somebody else who needs a mask. I'm just going to have this sent to them. So there you go. Uh, You just click that button. You go through and you have it sent to your friend. Maybe it's a surprise for them. Who knows? You can mark this as if this is going to be a gift. And then once that's done, of course, this can happen over and over again as once they get their mask, oh, I like this. Two weeks later, maybe they're going to refer somebody else. They refer somebody else. 
also, and so on and so forth. So it's a great way not only to encourage generosity, but also a way that you can have people actually purchasing your product for other people and spreading awareness in the process. So one of the things that I did want to touch on as just kind of a recap of something that I said earlier, and I think this is really important to keep in mind for anybody who's even thinking about starting a business, whether or not you have one. And I think somebody could come along and say, well, aren't you just taking advantage of the current pandemic? And my answer to that would be yes, but why is that a bad thing, right? And I don't mean taking advantage in the sense that you're doing this uh, in order to profit off of somebody else's loss, right? Because again, we would want to structure the whole process for everything that we're creating so that it is always 100% of benefit to other people. Will you create, if you do this successfully, will you receive an income through this? Well, yes, that's the advantage of any business. However, the whole idea is that if you were to create something like this, you're creating endless amounts of value for other people even through something like a $50 face mask. At the same time, again, you're able to donate one to somebody who needs it, help fund medical uh, needs out there for other people or military organizations or people who are kind of in the front lines, so to speak, of what's going on. So by just creating something uh, that people voluntarily purchase for, you can actually be making an endless number, a potentially endless number of lives better through that process. So yes, uh, would you be as a business earning an income? Sure, but that's what it's like for anybody who creates any type of value or uh, any type of business that helps or serves other people. I think the only time it becomes wrong, I think, is when it is used to actually take advantage of people, right? But the idea here is that you're actually creating a product that delivers real value that has an actual meaning and purpose behind it that goes beyond just the dollar figure, right? Because I think if the dollar figure is your focus, you're going to end up with a mediocre product. If a, an amazing product is your focus, as a result of that, you'll end up with a better dollar figure, but never the reverse. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully that gave you some food for thought. Hopefully that was interesting in some way. I always love just kind of going through, digging into a business idea and kind of brainstorming some ways that you could do so effectively. So if you have a question for the show, if you have a particular type of business you'd like me to dive into and explore some ways that we can make it better, feel free to head on over to rightly.show slash question. You can also call in if you prefer to, to leave a message via phone. You can call in uh, by calling 844-RIGHTLY. Again, that's 844-RIGHTLY. Or if you just have a comment, if maybe there is a business that I talked about in the past up to and including this episode, and you've got some ideas for additional things that we could have done to make that concept better, you're always welcome to leave your comment or your question. So again, head on over to rightly.show slash question. And as always, if you're finding the Rightly Show useful, I find it, uh, I'm super appreciative if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We always do appreciate that. So uh, until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly remarkable. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.